let's start with how did you first get started in the basketball? When did you first pick up basketball? What got you inspired? So, um, according to my mom, I was always interested in basketball, like okay. right away. I think <laughs> it's funny because the first time I ever watched Michael Jordan play was in Space Jam. So that doesn't really count. But No, um, we're the same boat. We're in the yeah. same boat. <laughs> but it was actually when I was around six or seven, we had moved from upstate New York to mm-hmm. Long Island and my mom had remarried to my stepdad. And gotcha. he played basketball for the police league because he was a police officer. And I remember we went to that one of his games. That police league is legit. <laughs> it is. It is, yo. They I even came to Atlanta little, one time. I remember being little and watching him play. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, look at all this stuff. Look at what he's doing with the ball. And he can really shoot it. And he picked up on that really quick. So that was kind of how – that was our connection. Like how I say um, that's where my stepdad became my dad. Like, that's mm, my best beautiful. friend. Like, he was my first coach. He taught me the everything I know. He's the one that kind of exposed me to that basketball life. So he put me in to intramurals, you know, just to, like, get my mm. feet wet, kind of get used to that. And then I went that next summer, so I was about nine years old, to my first basketball camp. I'm telling oh, you right man, off the bat, dope. I sucked. I sucked. I was terrible. Absolutely terrible. But – I just loved it. Like I loved being in an environment where like, it's just all basketball all day. And we're just going through these different drills and we're all working our asses off to try and get better. And then when you're in an environment like that, where you see everybody around you working hard and you have these coaches telling you that if you put in the work and you do it consistently, you can get really good. That was Mm -hmm. just easy sell right there. So now I'm, what, even when I leave camp, I'm like, dad, we got to go to the park and we got to play. We got to do something to the point where like maybe a year or two later, again, going to that basketball camp. Cause once I went the first year, it was just like a routine thing. All right. Summertime's coming. I'm going to camp. One day my dad picked me up and he had me sit in the passenger seat. And at that point I was still very small. So like mm-hmm. I wasn't technically supposed to be sitting in the passenger seat, he drove me home. And then he was like, Hey, Grace, can you come over? I need, I need your help getting something out of the trunk. Open up the trunk. And there's this, like, the assembly pieces to put a basketball hoop together. And I oh, was bugging out. Oh, bugging man. out. We took it out the trunk. We spent all night putting it together. And then even when it was dark outside and we had just finished putting it together, we stayed outside for another hour and we played. Yeah, that was my first experience with a basketball hoop. My god uncle uh, gave me one my third grade summer. And we went to Fort Lauderdale to visit him. We moved to, from the Bronx to Atlanta in 2003, my second grade year. And then 2004, we went to Fort Lauderdale, my god uncle stayed. And literally, we went to the store. He's, he you want a basketball hoop? I said, what? He said, you want a basketball hoop? I said, yeah. And uh, <laughs> he picked it up, bought it, put it on top of his Jeep. Then we put it on top of our uh, Mercury Mountaineer and drove it from Fort Lauderdale to Atlanta. Uh, me and my dad set it up, put it in my little backyard, had like probably 10 foot of space. And um, it was cool because my house and the house down the street were the only two uh, basketball goals in the neighborhood at that time. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So it was like a pretty huge deal. So all the kids from different parts of the neighborhood will either come to my backyard or the backyard down the street. So 
a lot of kids didn't stop going to the park for a minute. They came to my house. So um So it was lit. Yeah, it was lit. It was lit to the point where like, you know, the guys older than me, um, my friends Asher and uh Gerald were showing me how to play basketball every day. So that's like those were like my first two coaches. And the funniest part about it is that Gerald was always naturally good at sports, was just an athletic guy. Um ended up making it to the NFL. So wow. that's the cool yeah. That was the coolest part about it. Like, you know, when the Los Angeles Rams came and played in Atlanta, he was on that team. So it was pretty, like, hilarious. Like, damn, this is the dude who showed me how to play basketball growing up. That's so cool. Wow. Yeah. So I know exactly how that feeling is. Like, you know, get that basketball hoop and just be on it all day long. I think that's why I foster my joy to just be out there for real. I'm pretty sure same thing with you was like, um, you just lost in space, lost in time, and just seeing what can you do on the court, just um, being as imaginative as possible, being as creative as possible. And um, I believe that right there is what made the great ones great is that, like Kobe said, that curiosity to, to see if you can do something. And having the curiosity mixed in with knowing how to play the game the right way, once those things have a perfect marriage, it's, it's it's beautiful because now working hard is not working hard. It's just like being a kid in the backyard still. Yeah, seriously. And even now, like I take that approach with training, just mm-hmm. not necessarily messing around, but just being creative and just yeah. pushing those bounds. Like I feel like that's exactly what training is meant for. Use your imagination and push the envelope with certain things just to see what you can do. And it's like, all right, I can do it. Let's do it again and let's get comfortable doing it. And especially like being younger, because mm-hmm. my dad was a police officer. So especially like me growing up, there would be a lot of times where, you know, if the shift is supposed to end at this time, but he ends up catching a case because he was also a detective as well. There would be a lot of times where it's overtime. So I wouldn't see him for dinner or sometimes like when it would be like after school he wouldn't be home because he's at work. So a lot of times, like I'd be in the driveway by myself, but that was the time for me to just, you know, get lost in space and mess around and try different things. One of my favorite things before I would raise the hoop actually is because we would, I would always put it down when I went Mm -hmm. inside as I would leave it low, try to mess around and see, can I get up there and like touch it seven and a half feet up in the air? Can I like touch the rim? Mm Kind of like trying to mess around, see like, can I dunk it low key? And then I would eventually put the hoop up and was like, all right, let's get to work. Let's try and do some stuff. And that's all it's about. That right there is what builds athletes because um, my mentor's son, that's how he started. That's how he learned how to dunk. It is 2020 pandemic and this little guy, CJ, is trying to dunk every single day, right? And it's like, he keeps on trying to dunk, can't dunk, can't dunk. My, it's like, eight and a half nine feet like damn boy you can't dunk this and you're in the seventh grade like you suck just teasing <laughs> him messing with him and stuff like that you know just always you know uh bugging him make long story short he's in eighth grade now and he's dunking the shot the ball he had a goat spurt but it's like that's what it took though this man you know was naturally obsessed with trying to dunk and now he can dunk and he's weak and I mean it, like, he's not the strongest kid. He's lanky. He's my height and just gets knocked off his rocker. He's not the strongest, but, like, the kid been trying to dunk off of that right leg for so long. It's like it finally went through. Now he can dunk on somebody's head fast break if he wants to. 
And this is without weight training. Yeah, and this is without hitting the weight room. I told his dad, like, he messed around and lift some weights for real and learn how to take care of the body. I said, you might actually have a, a D1 athlete. Forget a basketball player. You might have a D1 athlete. The kid is, like, getting kind of scary. So That's awesome. That's, yeah, and that's all it is. The same thing you did, just trying to attempt every day just to have fun. Like, that – you know, purity of the game must remain in it. it. Without it, it becomes kind of stressful, you know? Because think about this. Who wants to commit to working to something after, like, 30 minutes, you know? Right. You're outside for three hours, you're crazy. Right, you're and not- that was literally me going outside when the sun was out, and by the time I was done, like, at that time, the street lights still come on, but, like, it's mm-hmm. dark outside. It's dark yeah. outside. I should be outside. I should be inside the house eating dinner. My mom's calling my phone like, what are you doing? Why are you still outside? You got to come in. Bring your ass inside. It's time to eat. You got to get your homework done. If you have to do that for like a school project, you'll be ripping your hair out. Am I not right? <laughs> if you had to sit behind a computer desk and read a book and annotate and do a quiz and all that shit for three hours, you'd be like, man, what the hell is life? Like, but, why am I sitting down, looking at this computer, feel like I've been here for half an hour, it's only been two minutes, Yeah. <laughs> let me just go outside. Yeah, but you can go outside for three hours, run your hardest, kill yourself, you're panning, you're about, you need to change a t-shirt, like, you done drank two water bottles and a Gatorade, and you still feel like, you know, I can keep going. Mm-hmm. That's what passion is about, you know, that's what passion is truly about, and that aspect of basketball and life has to remain there because without it it's hard to get by like it really is and we 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 don't understand that and so you already because you already explained what my question about to ask like you know why do you enjoy it so the next question we're going to ask is playing high school basketball um how was it for you and more importantly um what do you think you felt like you could have done better if you were to talk to yourself right now playing high school basketball? Well, to answer the first question, for me, high school mm-hmm. basketball was actually pretty rough. Gotcha. Surprisingly, it was rough because, like, growing up, like, once I got, like, that foundational base going, like, my skill was getting there. And I was always small, but, like, I had the skill there. Like, I was becoming a solid two-way guard. Like, I could bring the ball up and handle the ball, but I could also play the two, and I could spot up and shoot. So I was getting really good, so I was really excited going into high school. But then once I was put into, like, that system of learning how to run plays, but also, like, again, being on a team where it's not all hoopers, it's just Mm -hmm. a lot of athletes who play basketball, you know what I'm saying? That was also kind of hard. But the biggest thing for me was just, like, actually – learning plays remembering the plays and then just like mentally that was probably my biggest drawback for me because like I would always get it in my head to point the finger I was like oh coach is like like not Mm. playing me and like I'm so much better than this but then at the same time like I'm the one like beating myself down I'm kind of like my own worst enemy at this point so if I were to look at myself high school high school me have a conversation with myself now it would be Still keep going to the gym, keep your head down, but also take time, even if it's just like a half an hour to sit down 
and look at these plays and go over them in and out and just know the shit so that once you get on the floor, no matter whether coach likes you or dislikes you, he has no choice but to keep you on the floor because you know what the fuck you're doing and he knows what he's going to get out of you. Being consistent, that would be the word. Be consistent every single play, whether it's for four minutes or for 40 seconds. Be consistent and just go mm-hmm. hard as hell. That's beautiful. Um, I think that right there, and you alluded to it before when I was on your podcast, is just um, holding yourself accountable and uh, being responsible for your end goal. Your end goal is to not start, is to like, nah, I want to do a great job on this team. Whatever my role is, I just want to perform in. Um, a lot of people, as crazy as it may sound, can go a lifetime without understanding that and will live up to the, that story. They will die by that story saying like, nah, man, the coach ain't like me. I was the best player. I had the best talent. The coach ain't like me, man. Like, that's what happened. They will reinforce that story their whole life without simply saying, yeah, nah, I mean, I was good, but I wasn't that good. And, like, I didn't know the plays that well. I wasn't the most athletic. You know, not this. just taking true accountability. Right. And it's not even beating yourself up, you know. It's just being honest with yourself and really just self-evaluating. Okay, I'm lagging in X, Y, and Z. How can Mm -hmm. I do better in X, Y, and Z so that I am not left falling behind? That's all it is. And there's power in doing that. There's power in that accountability because it is all in your control. It's not like it's the man's out to get you or the coaches don't like (laughs) Because again, like people will, I'm, I'm telling you, and I was going down that path, like people will live and die by that story of the coaches didn't like me or they had it out for me or like my style of play wasn't accepted, which I really thought that was kind of the case because like even going to a school, which I never really thought about things like that anyway, I still don't, but Mm -hmm. like people tried to get it into my head that like, okay, I was the only like minority on a team of like mostly white girls. But like, again, that is neither here nor there. At the end of the day, it's my job and I have to do the shit my way, but I have to actually know what it is that I need to fix before I can make something happen you know and that was the path that I was going down even towards college because a little bit of my college story was that despite all of that in high school I was actually sort of digging myself out of that hole by my senior year I was like sixth and seventh coming off the bench like I was getting minutes and playing well I was producing Mm -hmm. I was still getting looks at from colleges I was getting looked at by the best division three program at the time they were back-to-back national champions and they wanted me on their team but I was being hard-headed I was being stubborn because what's the dream for us we don't want d3 we want like d2 or d1 so I was just kind of keeping them in my back pocket until you know by the time it's time for me to go to school now my roster spot is gone and whose fault is that that's not the coach's fault that's my fault because you thought you were better than what you were Right. And then it wasn't until like, I was fine. Like at one point I literally just like threw my hands up in the air. I was like, I'm done. I'm done pointing the finger at the coaches at the end of the day. Like I have to look myself in the mirror and be like, this is on me. What can I do to fix it? And better yet, what are you going to do? And people will never understand this. And this goes back to the conversation we were having 
20 minutes ago about you're crazy if you're outside for three and a half hours basically fucking dying playing basketball. Mm -hmm. Why do we do this stuff? Because we love the game. And that is so important. Having that love for the game and that passion, that will to compete and that will to get 1% better every single day. That is so important. And that's literally the, the second win that you need when your back is against the wall and you feel like this shit ain't worth it. You know, because that was mm-hmm. what it was for me. That was my wake up call. What is the point of all of this? The point is that you love this game and you told eight-year-old you who sucked at basketball but went to every single freaking basketball camp that you love this game and you're going to play in college. So you better get to fucking stepping because she still expects you to play. And that's what it's about is just sticking to the promise you made to yourself and before I get to the next topic, it's just a short tangent so I share with my client today. And I guess I'll put it on the podcast since I'm, since, since I'm not mic'd up at the moment with my clients. But I told him, I said, um, I said we live in a world of where we are below average and we see average as success. And he didn't understand what I'm, I meant by that. And I said, I said, okay, look, you go to high school, right? He said, yes. And I said, uh, what's the point of going to high school? He said, to get a diploma. I said, okay, cool. I said, so if you show up every day and um, you complete the assignments on time, uh, you study the study guide because every single damn public school gives you a study guide for every test at this point in life, even when we was in high school. I said, so you get a study guide, you get a review, you get whatever you need to, you know, the teacher gives you tools to pass the test. They don't give you a blind side of tests. He said, yeah. I said, cool. So they tell you to read these pages, they do all this stuff. And if you do what they tell you to do, won't you get at least the least amount of it a B? The worst a seventy nine point eight. He was like, "Yeah," but I said, "If you just like was consistent with studying when they told you to study, you would probably get an A, right?" Without trying. He's like, "Yeah," because I did every single day. I said, "Huh? Okay, interesting." I said, "So if you do that from your ninth grade year up until your senior year, you should have like a what three point something GPA?" Yeah, I said, "Did you really work that hard?" Like, no, nah, not really. I did what I was supposed to do. I showed up. I came in there. I worked. Did my job. Went home. Did my homework. Extra time I studied. Like they told me to study, and uh, you know, I, I I did what I did. I said, okay, cool. And I said, so you graduate diploma, you get a three point something. Doesn't that give you that kind of scholarship money for certain schools? He said, yeah. And I said, if you did the SAT prep, ACT prep, like they told you to, when you practice and you studied and you did all the stuff that you're supposed to do, um, don't you kind of get like a pretty decent score to get scholarship money as well off the SAT and get admissions to pretty good schools? He said, yeah. I said, huh, did you grind yet? He said, no. I said, that's pretty average, right? He's like, yeah. I said, that's my fucking point. Right. If you do what you're, like like if you do what you're supposed to do, and just simply do that and be responsible for the angle because you signed up like your parents signed you up for school, but you are your own responsibility still. So if you're signed up to do something, which is to be in high school, you have to get your diploma, no matter what, no matter how long it may take, unless you drop out and quit. So mm-hmm. I said, you sign up for something. There's always an angle in life, whether we want to accept it or not. You sign up for something. There's an end result. So I said, the end result is a diploma. Now, what you do in between that time is up to you. But if you just simply do what it's paid to do, on average, uh, you will be good enough to get a little scholarship money after that. And I said, your freshman year of college in Georgia, if you have a 3.0 or higher, don't you get scholarship money to where 80%, if not more, of your school credits get paid off for? He said, yeah. I said, so are you catching my drift? If you simply <laughs> fucking do what you're supposed to do, I said, like, where I did went wrong in life is where people were trying to make this success shit so 
big and so grand. I said, no, it's not. It's that we suck as a people. We can't do simple things the right way. And we bust our ass to do the simple things right. It's like you grinding your ass off just to tie your shoes the right way. For fucking what? <laughs> like, are you serious? You're trying to tell me you can't just wake up and do your job every day like you're supposed to? Be responsible right. for your end goal? I said, if you sign up for college right now and you drop out, I mean, that's on you. But if you drop out because it's not for you, that's cool. But if you tell me you signed up to go to college to get this degree and you drop out because you said, like, eh, I just don't feel like finishing it, what was the fucking point? Like, you be responsible for what you signed up for. That's what I teach my kids. You sign up, play mm-hmm. basketball, finish it. Like, I wasn't held accountable when I was younger. I was just told, now nah, don't worry about stuff like that. Just focus on school. Not knowing that how these little things of not taking certain things seriously and just not quitting and seeing things through and being committed and, you know, uh, competing. They, these tangible assets at a very young age when I first picked up basketball were not taken serious because of my background of a Caribbean family. Not knowing it will bite me in the ass in my adulthood and my teenage years. Mm-hmm. It's like the sport is going to show you things that life is that that life will eventually expose you to as you grow to be an adult. It's better to put your kids in that environment early so they can understand these principles. And I didn't understand those things. So, Absolutely. If you look at the guys in the NBA right now who are on the roster, those are the guys who show up on time, do their job, know the plays, are in great shape, can understand their role, produce, go home, collect a check, and have fun. Are those guys the best in the NBA? No, but they can fill a roster and can help you win some games. And that's all you need, an average player. And look at that average player right now in the NBA making millions of dollars. That's crazy, right? So that's Mm -hmm. my fucking point is that as long as we are responsible for doing what we're supposed to do and we hold ourselves accountable, you will always be successful. You will always be a B student. And B&B 3.0 is okay because in life, it's going to be a great job. It's going to be something of a, of a high-paying salary. Not crazy, but a high-paying. You will always be above average because we are below average society. So average is, below, is above average, as crazy as it fucking sounds. But in my second point towards that, I told him, I said, but in reality, I said, the shit that people are trying to get you motivated to do to make you stay up late night for, to grind, all the other shit to make you just do the bare minimum. I said, that motivation should be used for you to do something above the minimum. People are telling you to stay up late and to wake up early and to put in more work. That's because you already did the bare minimum. Why the hell are you staying up late because you ain't, because you just now doing the assignment? You ain't grinding. You just right. now doing some shit. You chose to, to, to be late just to feel like you grind. You haven't grinded yet. If you did the work and then you stayed up later, do more work. Now, sir, you're really grinding. Now you're pushing something greater than yourself. And that work ain't easy. That work ain't easy. And that's what I was trying to show my clients today that like what separates, you know, people from, you know, good to great is just if you do these simple things on a consistent basis and hold yourself accountable and responsible for doing them the right way, you'll be okay. But if you do all of that and then some and try to perfect that shit, oh man, you're a you're a demon, you're a monster. Nobody's messing with you. Facts. So going into the next point, um, I know you talked about your uh college career briefly, but can you just uh dive into, you know, your work ethic once you finally committed to being a new grace and 
how did that shift of a mindset really change your, I guess I can probably say your basketball career, but also life off, of, uh, off the court as well? Just, again, like tackling that accountability. Once I finally gained the courage to transfer from Fairleigh Dickinson University to mm -hmm. Brooklyn College, that's what kind of flipped the switch for me. It's like, all right, this is happening. And that wasn't even like a guaranteed, like I'm on the team. That was mm -hmm. just a tryout. And wow. that was all I need because I remember that. That day, my sophomore year, when I was at Fairleigh Dickinson University, I remember the night perfectly because I was working out with a friend of mine. His name is Carmelo. So mm -hmm. me and him would always work out. And that was kind of like my gym buddy. And that was the person that was helping me get in shape. And that was also the same year that I switched my majors from straight up biology to strength and conditioning. That was when they finally nice. made the strength and conditioning program. And I was the first and only female at the time in that program. Wow, dope. So I was like really doing my thing and getting myself in better shape. So one mm. day at the end of our lift, we would always end with like half an hour, half an hour of cardio because I was in like right now the lean out, lose fat and then build muscle. So it was strictly nice. hypertrophy. So that was more of like that bodybuilder split just to kind of get me back into the, okay, I'm back in the gym. Once I get that mass going, now we can get to like more power output type of thing. Mm. So that night, for whatever reason, everyone and their mom wanted to be at the gym because there were no cardio machines. Every, not a wow. treadmill, not a Stairmaster, not even a freaking like recumbent bike, you know, like <laughs> the one the old people do. <laughs> none of that, none of that was open. So we leave, we're like, all right, we'll just come back in the morning. We'll do cardio in the morning. Yeah. We're walking past the fitness center and the gym doors were open. The gym doors are usually never open. Wow. So we poke our heads in and we see dudes running fives. And Carmelo looks at me because he already knew that, like, I used to play basketball. He was like, let's play basketball. And I'm looking at him like, what? Because <laughs> at that point, I hadn't touched a basketball in, like, almost two years. I hadn't done anything. Wow. He's like, but he's like, no, let's go play. Like, it's, it's better cardio. Like, Grace, if we run two games, that's a half an hour right there. And it's way more fun than us walking or running on the treadmill. He's like, and I know you, I know you want to play. I was like, all right, you got me there. But like, Carmelo, I'm about to fucking suck right now. I haven't played mm. in two years. He's like, who cares? Nobody's watching you. Just play to have fun. And I was like, all right, fine. Let's go in there. Even though in my head, I'm like, dude, you're about to be so trash right now. <laughs> mm. But I was like, all right, kind of just talking myself down. Like, I just need one shot to drop or I need to make one good play. Once that one good play happens, I'm set. And literally like that, it just all fell into place. I made the first jumper and it just, I was back in that space, back in that zone, back, back in my driveway playing basketball. Mm. And that was so much fun. And he drove me back to my dorm room. And that was where I literally came to my room, looked at myself in the mirror and, legit spoke to myself i was like are you really done have you done everything in your power have you exhausted every single option the answer to that question was no and then the next morning i woke up literally sat in my bed grabbed my laptop opened it up looked at every single state university in new york and city university of new york 
that had my major and looked up their basketball teams, found out who the coaches were, the assistant coaches, the athletic directors, and I emailed and called every single one of them. Wow. Every single one of them, just seeing if anybody would give me the time of day. And the first person to answer back was my college coach, Alex Lang at Brooklyn College. And he's the one that told me that I would absolutely be willing to give you a tryout. But I will warn you, there are seven returning seniors and three incoming freshmen. But oh my God. I didn't I didn't hear any of that. I didn't read all you heard, I heard, all you heard was, was you got a tryout. That's uh-huh. what, and that's all I needed. Sean, that's all I needed. Once I had that, I was like, all right. And I was super low about it too. I think the only person who knew at the time that I was trying to transfer was my roommate. Mm-hmm. And she was super supportive with that too, because she kind of understood like the whole backstory behind everything. And she was like, you, you got to do that. Like as much as I'm going to miss you, you, you got to go ahead and do that. So I was yeah. just getting all my paperwork together making sure all my grades were tight and just putting it through the portal. And I transferred. And then that summer was just balls to the wall. I'm getting out to the park. My friend Calvin was the one kind of like sort of training me. Whenever there was pickup, he would always come pick me up. We would go either early in the morning or late at night. And I was just always doing something. So that work ethic really built off of that one sliver of opportunity because it wasn't guaranteed. And I could have very well like smoked that practice, you know, October 15th was the first day of practice, but that was technically my tryout. And Mm. even then, like after that first day of practice, I still have the message on my phone where my coach texted me. He said, Hey, Grace, great job today. If you didn't already know, you're definitely on the team. Just keep bringing in that work ethic and that energy. And you're going to do very well here. And like, I was at my friend's house and she was on the team as well. I was like, wow, I made the team. She's like, you didn't know that? She was looking at me crazy. I was like, no, I didn't know that. She's like, you've been working out with us this entire time. And like, you've been like acting like you're on the team, but, but like nobody else knew, like I wasn't acting like I was on the team, you know? You I was so, so locked, locked in. in. <laughs> I was locked in because even though like, yeah, I'm there working out and I'm grateful for that, but ain't, yeah. ain't nothing set in stone until coach tells me you have a fucking roster spot. Man, that's beautiful. That's and then so it was just building off of that because again, I didn't want, I didn't just want the Jersey my first year. Yeah. I didn't get that much playing time, but I got two more years. I got two more years to make something happen. So I went from like barely getting playing time in scrimmages to eventually being my team's sixth man and even certain games starting. Like mm. being responsible for matching up with the other team's best players. Coming off the bench if somebody was if one of the starters was fucking up. My job was to come in there and clean up that mess. Um. And that's what I did. And in those three years, we finally got a championship. We finally got our first go at like the national tournament Mm -hmm. and I got to put myself through hell to get to a point where I knew that I could already get to, but I had to go through all that shit to actually get there. You know what I'm saying? It took me having the courage to point the finger at myself and fix the things that were always in my control to make that happen. 
and that's the beautiful thing about this journey is that, like I said, it is so easy to be successful because what you did was, like I said earlier in the tangent, you simply said, all I have to do is just do things the right way, hold myself accountable, and be responsible for my own success. That is it. And once we level up emotional maturity, yes, it is arduous. Yes, it's monotonous. Yes, it, yo, this shit is tiresome. But, 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 who cares? It's a reward towards this. Like, nothing that we do in life will come easy. So, once you understand that concept, you build upon it. And the hell you went through was probably just, you know, the purification process. Because sometimes you have to put metal back into the fire to purify the silver to get away any impurities so it can come back out stronger yep. you just burnt off whatever bad habits whatever bad minds or whatever it was that's all it was in the end it's just a oh i don't want to do it but i have to do it oh fuck this shit is tiresome oh, god damn it again today it's like it's the old you trying to hold on to the concept of like you can still be great by not doing something great which is a great uh -huh. sacrifice you have to give up something to get something in life. Yep. But it's beautiful to to hear that story because um, not a lot of people want to exhaust that option. Not a lot of people want to go to that extent because they're scared of failing. Oh, my goodness. The amount of people that either directly or indirectly told me, like, in lesser words, Grace, you're out of your mind. Like, what are you – like, who – in their right mind is going to take a chance on a kid who at this point only has high school basketball experience and now two and a half years of not playing any sort of competitive basketball or even recreational basketball. Like you, you have to be out of your mind to take a chance on a kid like that coming from those circumstances. And it, like, even looking back at my high school career, like, yeah, towards the end, I was putting up numbers, but not enough mm -hmm. for a coach to be like, all right, like I can coach them up a little bit. They'll fit into a system and things like that. Like I can kind of show them the ropes. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this was just straight up again, like getting it out of the mud, starting from scratch all over again. People were telling me I'm freaking crazy. I was like, no, I'm not. You don't know who I am. You don't know how bad I want this. I do this shit, okay? And I'm going to show you. And that was the extra fuel to the fire. I've always had that little bit of chip on my shoulder. Because yeah. being a girl playing basketball, playing against the boys, because at the time when you're younger and you're playing against the other girls, they're still trying to get used to, like, be. it's, like, it's okay to be physical. It's okay to be a little bit aggressive. So yeah. that was my background too. Like that basketball camp that we spoke about earlier, mm -hmm. I was like maybe one of a handful of girls, if that. The rest was just strictly boys. So like if I if I wanted them to pass me the ball, I had to do something with it. I had to be good, but I also had to earn that right for them to pass me the ball, you know? Yeah. So I had to work for that. And I was always the smallest one on the court. So naturally, bigger people want to go after the smaller person. Of course. So that's where that a little bit, that's where that aggression came from. You hit me, I'm going to hit you back. You try to square up with me, I'm not backing down. Like, mm. that. that's where that extra bit of, like, oomph comes from. Like, I don't even know how else to describe it other than oomph. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to fight back with you. Like, you're going to challenge me, I'm going to challenge you right back. Definitely hear that. And that's just 
a great quality to have. Um, I believe this is 2017 going on 2018. And um, I think I'm maybe two or three credits away, well, not two or three classes away from getting my associates in computer science. And this is like my second time changing my major because my okay. first major was dental hygiene, second was computer science. And I literally told my, my friend at the time, Sydney, that played a uh, uh, basketball at Belmont Abbey. Uh, I told him, I said, hey, man, um, I'm going to change my major again. He's like, bro, it's going to set you back even longer. I said, I don't give a damn. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to um, change my major. He's like, all right, so what are you going to change it to? I said, exercise science. He was like, so it's 2018 now. How's it take you? I said, dog, I think like two more years, so 2020. And so um, he's like, all right, we'll do what you got to do. He's like, but I mean, he said, even though you like basketball and like you like that sports stuff, like he said, man, just that's more time in school. Everybody can say, say like more time in school is better if you just, you know, stay the computer science, you know, it's better pay, better this, better that, that, that. Trying to that, put that. you in a box, this bullshit here, there. Yeah, what, like, yeah. shut up. Yeah. So I think that's when I started to realize um, I'm alone. <laughs> I'm alone. When I realized like this, this, this shit is about to be a lonely ass path. And um, the path uh, didn't even, the path was harder than it, than it should have been because I was too busy holding on to uh, my past self, meaning friends, relationships, and just even habits. So getting myself in the mess that I don't need to get myself into was also making the journey hard. So dealing with your own BS and then dealing with the fact that like you are on your own with this journey of you want to go get an exercise science degree and go be a coach and make money compared to sticking to computer science and coding, which is going to give you a guaranteed check. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's where like, I truly started to develop my own personality slowly and started to understand that if I don't work my ass off, I'm fucked. Like if I don't figure out a way how to start a business before I graduate, I am fucked. And uh, that's how I started to think about um, started to think about how I got to get certified, what I need. Um, I was training at the postgrad team I was, I was coaching on, and I literally would take the program I made up and I would show it to my professors <laughs> before class. And I, was like, <laughs> and I said, yo, does it make sense to you? It's like, yeah, it actually does. It's, it's pretty solid. Like, I would do this, I would add that. It's like, wow, well. I said, well, I kind of told the director that, like, I'm in school for exercise science and I'm working to be certified. And he took that as a, like, oh, so you train? I said, I say, I have to get, so you do train. Okay, bet. You're going to be the trainer this far. I ain't going to pay nobody else. I'm going to just pay you. I said, oh, <laughs> shit. What the fuck I just got myself into? <laughs> I have no insurance. I have no certifications. I have nothing. So I'm going to these professors with no fucking experience ever. I'm like, yo, how? Does this, does this make sense? Does, does that look good? I just <laughs> left computers a year ago. <laughs> I just left computers. About to go train the team, but I need you to just proofread this real quick. <laughs> yeah. I said, today's the off day. I trained tomorrow. Does this make sense to you? So literally, you know, that's, that's, I got thrown into the fire 
And that was like my first job, um, just being exposed, just being a young coach. I didn't really pick up on the technical shit till I think 2020, as crazy that sounds. Mm -hmm. But I had experience training um, group-wise, knowing how to put people in the right settings. Like when when people tell you experience the best teacher is true because um, I was able to just learn how to modify workouts. I was able to learn how to group people based upon strength, based upon um, heights, uh, who had long levers, who didn't. how to modify guys with ankle mobility issues and hip mobility issues, all that stuff just on the fly, just trying to make shit work. And I didn't have to read no book for it. It was Mm -hmm. just common sense, you know? So once I got more practical knowledge and more technical knowledge as well, a lot of it from what I learned in 2018, just being thrown to the fire, just expanded more and it allowed me to understand how to train better. So knowing that like I'm alone and I ain't got nobody really backing me I just was every day waking up on my own just putting the work putting in the work and over time I started to gain support by a lot of like-minded individuals and that's eventually led to me starting to have a group of people now my mentors who advise me help me coach me etc I can relate it's like when you make that people look at you like yo what the fuck you just say you gonna do you about to hit up every single college coach and see if they got trouts and you about to see they got your degree too. You you crazy. You about to leave a, a major that pays high five figures, low six figures just from a bachelor's degree just to coach? Like, they don't pay you that fucking much. So it's like, that's the things that, you know, people who chase after something have to go through. And it's a very... Um, unrewarding path because people are not going to clap for you. People aren't going to tell you good job. It's you have to be your own cheerleader to see the light at the end of the tunnel and make it happen. So I totally understand in terms of people not even seeing your vision, not believing into it, and then as soon as you make it happen, oh my god, I always knew you could do it. Yeah. Like really? you better keep you better keep it moving, bro. Like really, because I have said, all of the receipts. Oh my god! I remember every last one. Everyone, and I know how it feels, man. I know. I have friends telling me it's like, man, just just get a practical job, like you know, the gym. I'm like, okay. So when I finally like you know am doing well, just leave me alone. <laughs> And so it's it's like it forces you to really go out there and make things happen. And that's why I like about this part of this journey about life is when you go out there and set something out and you say you're going to do it and you're doing it, you have to allow the separation of you from others to happen because if not, it's going to hold you back. And what you probably did was that the reason why you didn't know you were even on the team is because you were still trying to separate yourself from the pack and still show I deserve to be on this team. I deserve to be on this roster. I deserve to bring something special here you were so locked in on trying to separate yourself from everybody else you didn't even fucking know you were already included right that's how zoned out i was on it because to me like yeah like i was getting acquainted with everybody and now i'm like friends with the girls on the team but anytime we came in for workouts or we're playing pickup i'm busting I was the still ass. i was still the odd man out i still had yeah. to work and be like yeah i'm coming in the air and i'm gonna bust your ass yeah like i see food Exactly, literally. Like, one of my friends, uh, Anna, uh, we graduated together from Georgia State, and she said, like, she's like, man, like, you're pretty, you're a pretty tough dude. I said, what you mean? Because make a long story short, you had to pass the anatomy and physiology classes with a, like a with a B average just to get admitted into the exercise science program, right? Yep. Um, we took we had four tests in a final. 
first test I got I gotta be on. Second test I had I it, it was a test upon the cranial nerves. I remember this shit like in the back of my head. The cranial nerves and also um the anatomy on the uh, uh um the head. And so the anatomy part I did straight on, but it was a 50-50 test. The anatomy part and then the cranial nerves on the backside. I didn't know not one fucking cranial nerve. Uh, so they's like, Sean, what you got on the test? I said, I'd have got like a 54 or 82. They said, how the fuck you got an 82 and a 54? <laughs> I said, I just did the math. They was like, what fucking math? I said, yo, you know how in the front of the test, it told you like, you know, the first half is worth 50 points, the backside is another 50 points. Everybody said, yeah, so shaking their head. Exactly. So I did the math. I was like, okay, front side, I probably got like 40 something. I said, backside? Shit, if I get some of these right, it could be an 80, but if I want to get these two right, it's a 54. <laughs> they start laughing and chuckling. I said, motherfuckers, y'all laughing. I'm dead the fuck ass serious. <laughs> Yo. So, oh my so, God, that brings me back, especially the cranial nerves. When my oh, professor yeah. hit us with that on our final exam, I was like, no freaking way. And it was yeah. like a matching shit. Too, like just match the yeah. letter with yes. the picture yeah. of the yeah. brain yeah. Yes. upside down I'm like oh my god yo no way the one thing I like barely looked over this happens to be on the fucking test that's what I said to myself you know what, like you know you fucked up on the test where you just get slow where, where everything is slowed down and like your dumb ass look around and cheat and it's like you can't cheat like you just fucked like this sit there you fucked oh, you can't like, you just can't do nothing. I, I literally looked around and made eye contact with the teacher. She just smiled at me. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me turn this shit in. So <laughs> I ended up getting an actual uh, 52. And my heart dropped because she doesn't, because she drops the lowest grade. But it was like a matter of, fuck, I have a 52. This is a low-ass test score. This shit can make or break a grade. So I went to her office and said, do you think I should like just drop your class and redo this next semester? She was like, yeah, but it's up to you. And I went home and I literally was like, same thing you did. And I said, did you, are you, is this really, is this really how good you can get? Like, this is really your potential. I said, if this is really you, bro, like, stop fucking trying in life. I like, just, just go be it. Just, just, just go, just, just, just agree with no major and just, just, just be that. Just be that. Cause right now you're pissing me off. You're pissing me the fuck off right now. <laughs> I said, you, 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 you talk all this shit about how you want to do this and a third. You want to be great. And, and this is what the fuck you do. Had a long ass conversation. And then, I just went crazy. I was passing every single test. I was studying my ass off. I was waking up at like four o'clock in the morning to study. Um, before I go to school, I was just literally me when I was taking AMP because I took both AMP one and two mm -hmm. in the summer. So I did not have a summer. It was just 10, 11 weeks is just straight anatomy. Yeah, grinding, just pushing yourself, like doing the required work and then some, like doing the assignments and then doing extra shit. Like I was doing all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Going and staying to open and using the skull and playing with the whole entire um, skeleton just to figure out where the Boeing landmarks are and still yep. asking more questions and still talking and still talking. And so it got to the point where it's like, okay, bet. Like, this shit feels like how I was playing basketball as a kid. Like, it's just, I'm in my zone. And after that, I mean, I got him into the program and I didn't play no games. Like, I just kept that momentum going until I graduated. But 
it's like once you are locked in, it's like I see food. Like this shit. Oh, I'm, I'm about to come in this bitch and and really fuck all y'all up. Like, oh, you the smartest person? No, we. I'm I'm smart too. <laughs> Don't think you the shit, sweetheart. I'm just as good as you. Like that's how I started to get better. Like I will always make sure the smartest people in the class, whoever they were, bro, we in the same exact conversation. Like whoever is the smartest woman or man in this classroom, my name is in that same exact conversation. Like, oh yeah, it's this, that, that, and Sean. This, that, that, and Sean. Like, yeah, my name gonna be in that bitch. Like that was my like my mindset. Like I have to be in that small group of the best kids in this program. Like have to be. There's no other way possible. Hell and, yeah. And that's how I graduated. So it's hard now because the industry is so huge. There's so many pockets. Where do you go? It's like now you have to carve your own lane and say, bruh, you are your own champion. You're in your own lane. How do you dominate your own lane? How do you solidify yourself in your own lane? And that's what I'm learning how to do. And speaking of lanes, uh, talk about this just a little bit. Um going to school for strength and conditioning and then applying that within the basketball world. I want you to expand upon it because it's pretty dope to know that you actually went to school with a strength and conditioning background for a degree. And for myself, I just have a broad one with exercise science. So you, you, I'm kind of jealous of, not going to lie to you. That's pretty dope. <laughs> that yeah, it was a lot of fun going through that program a little bit. And then just being like, especially when it was very new, it was a lot of fun except for the one time I had to write like a 12 page paper for strength and conditioning class. That was a long, long night. That was probably Jesus not the best Christ. night for me. Cause I did it literally the day it was due. That's, that's a long story. I was in the library all day, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Like being able, yeah. like class being in the weight room, you know, Oh my like God. actually Don't... going through those things and working with the strength and conditioning coaches and me being, as curious as I am and like pushing the envelope with a lot of things, being willing to ask, like, you know, just why, why would you program somebody like this versus somebody and program them like that? What would be the difference if I had them more on like a hypertrophic block versus more strength-based or power-based? Why are we doing those certain things? What's the end goal here? And like just actually talking them to them to get like down to the nitty gritty of it. Because I feel like most professors in the classroom setting, they just kind of want to give you the information just so that it's sufficient enough for you to one, comprehend, and two, like know for when we take a test, which is fine to an extent. But like, mm -hmm. I want to actually know the shit, you know, because this is applicable to what I want to do. So being willing to like ask those questions in that environment and then being my own guinea pig of sorts and like actually trying it out. Okay, let's try how we feel on like six or seven weeks on a hypertrophic block. Let's see what kind mm -hmm. of gains we make and then sticking with that. And then the flip side of that was that I also got a little bit of experience on the nutrition side, which was really fun because once I learned how to put those two together, then it became like really easy as far as me, like, you know, manipulating certain things it's like, all right, I got to cut some cut back here, add more here so that I can lose fat, but also still gain that muscle and things like that. And still have sufficient energy to get through this workout later and things like that. Okay, we're done with this block. Let's start to transition to more of a strength based, more power output thing. All right. 
to the nutrition side, we go back, let's manipulate these macros here, here, and here. And then now we have sufficient energy to get through this block and we'll do that for six weeks. Like, you know what I'm saying? You make me want to sign up for school again. <laughs> like, like all of this shit. Like, I like, I, I kid you not. I might just hit up colleges tomorrow morning just to be like, y'all taking interns, right? Because it's just because so much fun. Like looking so at that stuff, fun. and like actually, when you learn, like when you get that shit down to a science, when it comes to like exercise programming, but then like on the further side of it, exercise prescription, like in that physical therapy aspect mm -hmm. like it just it just works man and then you tailor it to that the man person. or that woman to that mm -hmm. athlete and it ju you just see the pieces of the puzzle start to fit perfectly together and it's so much fun watching it and just yeah. knowing that you can play a role in how you manipulate these certain exercises with sets and reps or just volume overall load okay let's back off here now we'll add to this let's take a rest and then let's change some of this here here and here and now like, right book, like magic know. like magic they're yeah. back feeling good or they're just performing overall better and you didn't even do anything out of the ordinary you just programmed and how'd you do that you learned how to do it and you just got really fucking good at it Man, yeah, I might just hit up my alumni and just say, um, yeah, are, are we are, is these training conditioning programs taking interns like offsite? Because I'm about to sign up because that's what I missed about this the most. Being self-disciplined is cool, but I I just love the environment, just interacting and just learning. You know that 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 yes. to me, I learned so much faster from like yes, you can give me the fundamentals of strength training books you can give me the advances in strength training you can give me all these books yes i will purchase them and read through them and stuff like that that's fine and dandy but to sit there and to talk and to discuss and to get practical info and to do things that are in a sense applicable now is what i live for because i was i work out with this guy named thomas no his father pretty well and he doesn't hinge properly and one of my professors showed me how to test um test clients to see if they know how to hinge properly but also use as a reference points to teach them how to hinge you will be six inches from the wall and tell them to push their butts back six to eight inches from the wall to push their butts back if their toes are coming up they're not hinging they're pushing their weight back on their heels, trying to hinge. And so you see them keep the weight evenly distributed as they're pushing their butt back. You should also start seeing their head slowly move forward. And now that shows that they're sufficiently hinging the right way. And I said, damn, Pete, okay, bet. I, I see what you're doing. So that is what I use now for people that cannot hinge properly. And I use that same test as the exercise with load with a med ball holding by the chest or with two dumbbells to the side. And the goal is to make sure you are pushing your butt back towards that wall without putting weight on your heels, but evenly distributed across the feet. And now they're going to know how to hinge. And you keep slowly, slowly inch them away from the wall to where you just keep telling them, just imagine the walls right there. Imagine the walls right there. To the point where now when we get to the barbell, it's the same thing. Imagine the walls behind you. Just try and cement that motor pattern of how to hinge. So 
I just love being inside an environment of practical info. I don't do the theoretical shit no more. Like I need results now because these kids need results now. And I love just environments like that to just say, hey, what was the point of this hypertrophic block? What, what, what do we actually gain from this? Oh, well, yada, 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 boom, 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 this and the third. So, so all this is going to work. Yeah, I mean, I've been coaching this for like 15 years, bro. I'm, yes, it works. Okay, that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. And you just take that and run with it, man. So that's beautiful. Like, I'm so happy for you that you were able to experience that. That is incredible that you were able to get the real bare bones knowledge of strength and conditioning in a classroom setting slash strength setting. Like, that is what, you know, I dream of doing later on when I go back to school. So that's dope. Yeah, it's amazing. And I'm really grateful for Fairleigh Dickinson and Brooklyn College, because when I went to Brooklyn College, that was where it was more exercise science, kinesiology focused. And Mm -hmm. my favorite classes, although very dense anatomy and physiology, because I had a great professor, because he wasn't asking you like the run of the mill questions like, okay, you see on the PowerPoint. All right, when we take the test, that stuff that you see on the PowerPoint, that's what's going to go there. Absolutely not. If that was like that, I would be getting A pluses with my eyes closed. I would have never had to sleep. Like, I would have never had to cut back on my sleep ever. Oh, I would yeah. have never had to wake up early and study extra or listen to his lectures over and over again. But, like, he would ask you, like, actual practical application when it came to anatomy and physiology. Because he was really testing to see if you know yourself. Not mm-hmm. just if you know how to read a PowerPoint, because anybody can read a PowerPoint and write some notes down. That exactly. was really the class that taught me how to study and how to learn. And then on top of that, my two other favorite classes were exercise physiology and biomechanics. Because those Damn, were like that's my, that's the, the my pra- that was like the practical application of it because I had two really great professors and we got to work in that weight room. But exercise physiology, we got to like more, not really the weight room, but more of like a testing type of environment. Like, yeah. like I took the stress tests. Like I had the face mask on and I had everybody measuring me like while I was riding the bike or I was listening to a cadence as I was doing continuous step ups and things like that. Or when I did take a strength and conditioning class, we were doing like the beeper test and seeing who, who could go the longest and things like that. Like, Oh my gosh, it was just so much fun, the practical application of it. And then for me, like, cause my brain is all twisted. Biomechanics, it's just physics. It's just the physical application of physics. Thank you. But I hated physics. The actual class, the math part of it, I hated it. I hated it. I still do. But biomechanics is basically just the, the tangible, tactile feedback of physics. That is your squatting patterns. If I were to draw somebody at a profile and see, okay, these are the proper angles. The bar should be mm-hmm. relatively neutral as this person is hitting this hip angle and this knee angle and this ankle joint angle. And those should be synergistic with each other in the descent and the ascent. And the same thing with a hinge and things like that. You know what I'm saying? Those were the things that caught my attention. And that's what really drew me in. And that's what made me want to go hard. Because like, this is, this is interesting. And then the basketball application of it, this is kind of like, I guess, in, in my own right, a cheat code. Because 90% of the patients that come into 
any sort of physical therapy clinic, especially the one that I work in, is just biomechanical compensations. One day out of nowhere, you started having pain. Why? I don't know. That's why you're here. And we're going to put you through a couple of tests to see where your range of motion is at. And then we're going to find those compensations and fix your biomechanics so that we can alleviate your pain. That right there, those biomechanical compensations and just knowing how to properly sequence certain movements to get the Mm -hmm. most output out of them, that's the secret right there. And that's what I want to hone in on as both an athlete and now hopefully soon to be like a full-on coach and trainer because that's the gift that I want to give back to athletes knowing how to properly use their body because guess what like I forget who it was that said this quote but it's basically like if you want to be a great athlete choose your parents which obviously you can't choose your parents (laughs) you're not always going to get dealt the best hand when it comes to your DNA and your genetics but how you use your body if you know how to use your body efficiently for whatever sport that you play dude dude and then you got the skill on top of that with the actual sport like you're just hard to handle now nobody knows what the hell you're gonna do because you know how to properly move your body even if you're not the fastest or not the most athletic or you don't jump the highest but you are the most biomechanically efficient and you get the job done oh yeah for sure because like i tell kids all the time I say, you want to be hard to guard? It's like, yeah, all right. If you know how to stop better than anybody else, you win. It's like, I don't get it. I said, look, bro. I said, defense, you have to, you got to play, you got to play going backwards. It's already like the reverse gear is not as strong as a six gear in the car. It's just that simple. So if I can get from gear one to gear three and then drop back down to gear one, and you can only go in reverse and probably gear one. Who gonna win if I get better and know how to use my clutch and my accelerator better? You, of Facts. course. So if I know how to shift gears, no matter how many gears I have, if I just know how to properly hit that clutch the right way and always shift gears efficiently, oh, bro, it don't matter if I only got three gears, I go to 40 miles per hour. You can't keep up with my acceleration phase. This mm-hmm. can't. And this is all about attacking short gaps and windows to, to create uh, binds on defense because from the three NBA speaking to the basket is 25 feet. That's not a lot of steps, man. Mm-hmm. Technically speaking, that's like, you know, that's that's what, 25 feet? That's not a lot when it comes to football. Not at all. So think about that much yardage and put it on the basketball court. It's not a lot. It's probably like maybe on average – maybe five to eight steps if you're really sprinting hard. Mm-hmm. So, hey, man, if my first three steps are explosive and I know how to explode and stop it off of each step, I'm busting your ass at this basket. And by the time you're out of position, help got to come through. Now, when help come through, somebody open. I'm going to pass that thing to somebody that's open. And once they get the ball, now it's going to be a two-on-one situation. So either he going to shoot or he going to pump fake drive, you rotate out the corner, and we're going to hit the corner. Now we got a corner three, the shortest three to, to shoot. We, that, that might go into. Yeah, that's basketball for you. So you don't have to be the fastest, but you have to be you have to be able to move the best. And that's all I try to teach kids. Like, we got to move well. The more we move well, the, the easier the sport will get for you. Because for me, biomechanics was the cheat code of, all right, 
how can I use this to shoot the ball better? How can I use this to dribble the ball better? How can I use this to accelerate, decelerate? And it was so easy. For me, I realized the shorter complex with shooting is like a catapult. Mm-hmm. And you cannot shoot a cannon out of a moving boat. You have to shoot a cannon on solid ground. So when we are shooting a basketball and we are breathing really heavy, we're varying our shot trajectory. It's like being a sniper. You have to keep your shoulders relaxed and breathe and as slowly as possible to limit the amount of change or bias towards that shoulder joint. So first, we have to gain a lot of overhead range of motion, control that range of motion, and more importantly, make sure that our follow through, and I'd like to keep it like this, focus on your elbow being where your eyebrows are. As long as your elbow is above your eyebrow, you have a, a sufficient angle to make a pretty great shot. And so by studying the biomechanics of shooting trajectories and seeing which angles are the best, anything from like 46 degrees to like 85 degrees is optimal because 90 degrees is damn near impossible. You got to be a robot. But anything from that range, you're going to be a pretty efficient shooter. And then for like, you know, acceleration, as long as you're making sure that your shin angles are sufficient and you're focusing on having great shin angles to accelerate and decelerate and also the cut, that's all that matters because you're putting your body in these different angles to cause certain reactions to happen. It's not about outputting a lot of force, but it's literally about putting your body in the best position. When you watch Kyrie Irving dribble the ball and cover ground, he's not trying to produce force. He's just simply leveraging himself off of that deep shin angle and just pushing off those toes and just projecting his body horizontally across the court. Mm-hmm. He's not really even working that hard. It's just that his body is being put in a great position off of each dribble to get downhill, to accelerate every time. When you watch Kyrie Irving dribble the ball, it's like this dude is always coming off of the, the blocks as a track sprinter. No matter what move he does, he's always ready to explode and cover ground horizontally as if he's a 100-meter sprinter. That's what separates him from everybody else ball handling. Everybody wants to sit upright like they're sitting directly in a chair and this guy is always leaning forward like he's about to fall every time he dribbles, but he's mm-hmm. covering a lot of damn ground because why? It's no different than somebody in a four-point stance practicing getting off the blocks of the track sprinter. I'm yep. trying to propel myself horizontally every single time I'm driving myself into the ground and digging these toes deep into the ground and driving and driving and driving. So you do that, especially with a guy with deep hip internal capacity, it's a reason why he can get to these crazy positions that nobody else can get into. So I totally understand why biomechanics was a Chico for you, because for me, it helped me understand a lot more about what goes on in terms of high-produced force, how we manage force, and more importantly, how do we absorb and put it back out. Yeah, and then on the flip side, just being able to properly train it, especially for younger kids, because then it gets into like, I won't go into like the deep tangent of it, but just like mm-hmm. kind of the topic of, hip internal rotation versus knee valgus when is when is it too much and I was actually having this conversation with one of the doctors that I work with and she's dope she is so freaking smart and like she actually works with the Paralympic team oh that's she works with the Paralympic team and I believe she's going to be going to Mexico soon to work with like the beach handball team but like it it's so freaking dope man she's so smart and i was asking her this question i was like hip internal rotation versus knee valgus like when is when is 
too much when does it become too much hip internal rotation when does it become an issue of knee valgus and her simple answer was when it's uncontrolled that's it <laughs> bingo and i was giving her the example of like kemba walker kyrie irving how they're just able to get into these sick shin angles that it almost looks like the inside of their foot is practically touching the goddamn floor but it's yeah. like those players have been able to tolerate that amount of load at such a high speed for Mm -hmm. so long. That's the reason why they're able to get to those positions. But to be able to train that, we have to do it properly. Obviously, we don't want to get them, just throw them into that position because it's not controlled yet. We have Mm -hmm. to kind of slowly teach them, unload the movement and show them, okay, this is what it feels like to produce force when your hip is internally rotated this is how it feels to use your adductors this is how it mm-hmm. feels to use your hip extensors and your hip abductors succinctly now once they get that sequencing proper now we start to load the movement to make it a little bit more transferable and once we go through that then they'll be able to tolerate and at least control that oh yeah for sure like you said control and that's just the most important part and um I guess this will be like the last question I ask before we uh, conclude, because this is a great conversation, but you are officially the second person besides Harry now, which is pretty funny, that uh, <laughs> I've talked to this long on a podcast. I'm going to tell him tomorrow he's going to laugh his ass off, because <laughs> me and Harry, first conversation went just like this. That shit lasted for literally two hours. We literally, I literally looked at the goddamn phone. I said, Harry, I said, well, I said, it's been an hour some change, bro. So, oh, shit. So, um, the last thing I'm going to talk about is the transition from playing to coaching. Um, I know you just brought that up, but just dive into that a bit deeper and just expand upon as, as much as you want to and just convey, like, you know, what your um, – the transition, more importantly, what the angle for you um, as a hybrid coach, as I like to call it now, just as a basketball coach slash, you know, performance training coach. Like, what's your angle? You know, it's always – it's not about the money for me. Mm -hmm. as like cliche as that sounds but it really isn't like especially working with young kids like middle school age kids it's really just kind of what you touched upon earlier teaching them how to love the game teaching them how to love the game how to compete and teaching them to like working hard you know because at the end of the day that love for the game really is important Mm -hmm. and that's what's going to drive you to want to work hard So keeping that in mind while, in a sense, being that chess player and teaching them and putting them in positions to learn certain things so that they will succeed on the court. And then as the performance side of it, just getting them durable in these movements, getting them familiar with the weight room, especially like at that young age, doing it in a safe environment. We're, we're properly sequencing these movements, the squat patterns, the hinging patterns, the lunges, overhead, push pulls, and things like that so that we get their joints nice and healthy and we keep them resilient because most of these kids still play like in their CYO leagues or they're getting ready for their AAU leagues. Yeah. And then again, just showing them, convincing them that there's a point to being in the weight room. There's a point to me putting you through these sort of like drills that may seem silly to you, but I'm actually teaching you proper sprinting mechanics or proper landing and decelerating 
mechanics. And then I'll just explain to them and I'll use like a player as an example, who's like really good with decelerating or whatever it is. And I'm teaching that day. It's like, Mm -hmm. that could be you. And they're not doing anything special. They're just doing something really simple, very well. And that could be you if you guys take this seriously. So keeping things light, but also teaching them how to focus for a quick second. We'll still have fun. We'll still have our laps and we'll joke around. But when it's time to get to work, it's time to get to work. Having that balance. I think that having that balance is super important as a hybrid coach teaching young kids, teaching them how to have fun, but also how to stay locked in at the same time. Very true. And it's a fine balance because I finally got my nephew to understand that point. Like, hey, man, you can we can do all these drills all you want. But if you say you want to play at a high level, you got to pick your stuff up. And, you know, once you slowly hold them accountable and they understand their coach is right at that point, man, it, it gets even more fun because now they get to pull something out of you, which is that that hunger, that passion to want more. And now they share it with you. And now it's like, it's two people who want to be in the gym three hours a day now, not one. Right. So, so I guess that full, to like short answer the question, mm-hmm. having that, being able to share that with them and like knowing in a sense that like I played a role, but even if they were to come and thank me and be like, oh, Coach Grace, thank you so much. You helped me out so much. My response to them would be like, you know, you're welcome. But at the same time, you do all the work. I just... I just put the pieces of the puzzle for you. Mm-hmm. I gave you the tools. You utilize you them. them. So that's yep. that's all you. And that's all it's about. So thank you for giving me your time. Uh, you definitely pulled a Harry. Uh, that's like my nickname whenever we go. <laughs> that's like the thing. That's how my cold word whenever it goes past like an hour. You definitely pulled a Harry. Uh, me and Harry have did two episodes and both of them have one past an hour. Uh, it's just hard. <laughs> it's just hard for us to have a short conversation. We're both smart. We're both sarcastic. We're both devil's advocate, and we both just love to exhaust a point. Like yeah. I love talking to Harry about basketball because he's just a pragmatic guy. And the thing, I, the thing that separates Harry from like a lot of guys, like about Harry the most, is that. He's not going to give you no fucking fluff. It's like, yo, this is what it is. There's no other way around it. You have to do this a certain way to get a certain result. And if you don't do it, you're not going to get that result. And that's why me and him click pretty much like very much like at a high level. Because I understand the same point. Like whatever I teach you is not to make you better. It's to get results on the Like so you can actually become better. But if you don't understand how to drive from point A to point B, eh, it's, it's, it's not going to work out for you. You know, what right. are the reads? What am I? What are the reads I'm giving you? What are the what are the different options you're going to see on this court? And how am I helping you to build your basketball acumen? Um, that's your job as a trainer is to build their basketball acumen as much as possible. So, shout out to my guy Harry. So you definitely we definitely pulled a Harry today, but it's all good. I really do appreciate this <laughs> conversation because um. One thing about this podcast, as odd as it may sound, it's becoming a fraternity. Every person I have talked to on here so far has turned to me calling them or texting them on a on and off or consistent basis. And it led to um, 
friendships, mentorships, um, collaborations, et cetera, et cetera. And the whole point of this podcast is to have people like yourself share your stories, share your perspectives so others can be inspired and also have the tools to change their lives and change their careers. But um, every time I invite people who say yes, it just always turns to just a new uh, person I get to meet and like, damn, we kind of click and I grow more, they grow more. And it's just kind of um, amazing how when you pick an outlet such as this or even just coaching, and you choose to talk to more people along your journey, you'd be surprised how many people you come across that you are really in common with and how much you can learn from a different perspective of what you can get better at in life. And that's what I love most about this podcast for myself personally is that I always get to meet um, new, fresh people that, in a sense, I just want to grow with because it's like, damn, something about that person can help me grow and I want to be around that process and how can I add value to them? Perfectly said. I couldn't agree with you more. For sure, for sure. So thank you so much, Grace, for your time. Um, I'm going to attempt to get sleep, which I don't do often. So um <laughs> Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't thank you so much. <laughs> I'll let you know when the uh after it's done processing and I'll get this episode out probably next week because I gotta record a personal one tomorrow. All right, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Oh no problem. Thank you so much. All righty, bye. All right, bye.